You're listening to Podcast BXN, a video game podcast delivering player experience news. Let's go! Yo, what is up? Hello, everyone. And I totally forgot to open up my personal document for PXN this week. Yo? So I'm, I'm just free balling. What did I say? Yo? Yo, Yo the, anyway. the question? <laughs> Hello? <laughs> Hello, gamers. And welcome to Podcast PXN, episode 228. I am one of your hosts. What, what, what is my title? Video producer at Dual Shockers and video essayist on YouTube, Christian Macias. I'm joined, as always, over Discord by the Nintendo aficionado and artist extraordinaire, Roshan Warner. Hello, hello, Shadow. The ultimate life form is making a return. This autumn, twenty twenty four. Be ready, be ready, Maria. <laughs> and I, I, I also skipped Kentucky's number one Spartan and PXN founder, Dan is DTM. Hello, Shadow the Hedgehog. <laughs> Hello. I did think it was a Shadow the Hedgehog remaster, but more on that later. And of course, Battlefield's bad boy, the tarnished Teletubby. There's one other in there that I that I am forgetting, but who knows what it is? Gage what? Dempster. That's me. That's me. I'm here ready to talk about video games with the boys. And Shadow the Hedgehog. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy how I can't function with at least some kind of Tifa Lock uh, the president of the Tifa Lockhart fan club. Forgot that one for a row. That's right. Wow. And yeah, one half of the Men Engage podcast, Gage Dempster. So should we vote now on uh, casting him out? <laughs> no, please stop. Please stop. Uh, <laughs> folks, here we go. I got a script now. Thank you uh, to everyone watching us live and participating in the chat. Just as a reminder, we are live each and every Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern on youtube.com slash podcast PXN. Sorry, at podcast PXN. Forgot the little ampersand symbol. As well as twitch.tv slash podcast PXN simultaneously happening right now the topic of the show this week is finally the last day of january we're discussing pxn's game of the year 2023 details on that later but first the show always starts with the px sorry with the quick bites go ahead and jump right in just realize we're putting these all in in housekeeping here uh my mistake uh, ro you copied this from a, from this is a, a news from a couple of weeks ago I also saw this. Uh, so yeah, maybe this, this is why this is in housekeeping. Do you want to you wanna explain this one? I am literally opening the doc right now. <laughs> Sorry. Here we go. I got, I got you. Here, I got you. Remember a little while ago on this show when we discussed that 2K was suing Remedy over the use of their logo, uh, that it, it looked way too similar to Rockstar's logo because it had the letter R in it for some reason. Wait, wait, wait. That was last we week. Talked, we talked I, about this last I, week. I forgot to delete it. Sorry. <laughs> Show me the champion of life. Do, 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 do. Anyway, okay. Then let's go ahead and jump right into the quick bites. The okay. most important thing to note is that unfortunately, there have been drastically more layoffs. It feels like we can't go a week without discussing video game layoffs in some capacity or another. There is no way to go about this without regurgitating the same talking points that we are given or, or giving, sorry, 
each and every week. It is it is an absurd amount. It is, I think, now at 50% of the total of what it was of the entire year, 2023, just one month into 2024. Uh, it keeps happening, and it indeed is happening seemingly each and every single day of the, of the week. Um, and it's, it's concerning, it's awful, uh, and I hope it stops like yesterday. Terrible. It's literally every day, new, new studio announcing it. I think today it was, it was Sega of America, right? And I think yep. somewhere else. But yeah, like you said, it feels like every day a new studio is announcing a new layoff. It's like, what the hell? No one wants this. It's, it's upsetting. It's annoying for, I imagine, us, but even more annoying for the employees who are getting laid off all the time. Right. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a weird state in the video game industry, for sure, where we're excited for games, where we're like always also so skeptical about the future of the actual industry. So, right. I think I think I think what makes it sting more is that video games have been such a behemoth in terms of an industry that generates so much money that seeing this sort of year after year after year is kind of getting a bit I don't know it it, it hurts extra knowing how big video games are and that how much money there is in that space where it's like this surely surely somebody could figure out the math so that this doesn't have to happen but here we are and unfortunately I've got a feeling that this is uh, it's probably going to continue throughout this year I think that. We're going to see more and more of these, unfortunately, but shouldn't be happening. One of which those was uh, Embracer this week. Uh, I think it was Eidos uh, developers that uh, Embracer let go. And one of those uh, projects that was on the cutting room table was uh, an upcoming Deus Ex game from Eidos Montreal. Um, I've never played a single Deus Ex game. I've, 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 it's a game, or I guess a series that I wanted to get into. Just never had the time. Um, but yeah, it's. I think of the the biggest culprits in the games industry. I think Embracer is sitting pretty high up there in the, at the top as like one of the the biggest kind of um, one of the biggest. Yeah, how should I put this? They're one of the biggest people that is concerning to the game industry, where they, they are laying off people uh, at a pretty consistent basis throughout the year the yeah that idos montreal one really upset me because uh fucking guardians of the galaxy did not get enough credit that game was i thought really good uh and was like a game of the year contender for me like that's how much i enjoyed it um so yeah that sucks that that team is experiencing a ton of layoffs because of embracers incompetence basically right i i the the boss of Larian Studios had a tweet a while ago that was really good. I'm pretty sure we talked about it on the podcast. It got picked up on a lot of places. He was talking about subscription services, um, where once you have a catalog so big, it becomes a cost analysis uh, issue, and you know all these studios become just these sort of lines on a spreadsheet. But I think you could make that argument for giant conglomerates as well. So even forgetting subscription video games and subscription services, just video game conglomerates that buy up all these studios, hundreds and hundreds of studios, it, it becomes the same issue as what Sven said in his tweet, that he Embracer is now going to look at all these studios, not doesn't care at all about how long the studios have been around, their histories, what they've contributed to the industry. None of that matters. It's just what have you what have you come in this year? What have you put out this year? Not enough. Sorry, you're gone. So 
that's the other issue with with these with these consolidations that we see, and that's why I always get worried. Even if it's a consolidation that seems like it might benefit consumers, it's not always going to benefit the studios that are involved in said consolidation. So, yeah, uh, so embracer I, things like that, stuff to keep an eye on. I think when we're talking about mergers, I, I thought this was a week ago, more than a week ago. I had forgotten that Microsoft had uh, also laid off 1,900 employees in their gaming sector from right. Activision Blizzard, which is also just a, a huge number, um, which sucks because uh, us on the podcast, I mean, I think all of us love Phil to, you know, in a lot of capacities. We, I, we, I think we see him as like someone who is like gamer friendly. Right. Um, and, you kind of, and, and you kind of forget that like it still, still is a business. But we hoped that because of the merger, we would see improvement, you know, um, with Bobby leaving. And I still think that's the case, that we will see that. Uh, but then just to have, you know, record, you know, I think it was like the news story was this morning. It was like $3 billion of, of something like of, of profit or the, the, or their stock value was at $3 billion or something like that, something insane. And then like within that next hour, it was like 1,900 people are laid off and Right. people just it's i think it for me it's the way people are finding out throughout the games industry not yes. just that much like, it's like hey i can't log into slack and it's like can you imagine not knowing if you're affected and and the other thing is is like i felt like you know we sh we expected some layoffs for like the the crossover between like marketing teams and hr teams and all of that and i saw a lot of talk about that but like there was a lot more layoffs than just those people because i saw people from raven people from treyarch all kinds of activision studios uh like actual developers well that sounds derogatory i don't mean like people right. in marketing or whatever Everybody. aren't but people yeah. that are working on the day-to-day -day, uh operations of the game uh but yeah it, it's obviously much more than that with 1900 people losing their job insane a lot of overwatch 2 developers were, were yes. hit pretty hard yeah which and, is concerning because the state of that game is like you know they're, they're trying to make it better and then when you have massive layoffs it's like okay well, when is that game going to get better if, if people are, are continuously being forced to leave? You know what I mean? And their right. new IP canceled as well, Blizzard. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Six years in the oven. Six years in the oven. Can you imagine, man? I would be devastated. The thing that sucks about a lot of game devs' jobs is, like, requirements for applying to some places is, like, have X amount of game shipped. It's like, how is that possible in this industry right. when like, it takes so long to make a game and it's then the studios cancel them or whatever, publishers cancel them. Right. And if that was your first project, you're starting from, from zero. Scratch. Zero experience. From <laughs> zero. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm also glad uh, Gage mentioned uh, Larian Studios as well because Tencent had an article, or not an article, they, uh, they announced that, or the Tencent chief said that uh, the gaming business uh, for them in the year 2023 that they achieved nothing which is crazy because they own part of Larian Studios Baldur's Gate 3 is one of the most like the best critical games received like of all time right. sweeping how many awards changing the kind of the landscape the way people are approaching RPG if that game you know didn't achieve anything then what will for Tencent? Right. And that is concerning. I, and I think this this comes back to what I said, where it's like, well, for them, they're maybe just looking... All they all Larian Studios is to them 
is just a name on a page and they look at their revenue and it wasn't the numbers that they wanted to see. Like, and that's the one thing where I don't mind, like, yeah. like you mentioned with Phil Spencer. That's why I think a lot of people give him credit. I still kind of am tempered. I'm like, he's a CEO. He's a certain type of person. But the reason why so many people, including myself, do give him some credit is that he is at least in tune with the industry and pays attention to these things and knows the other side of things, which is critical recognition. Whereas a studio like Tencent, like I, like this, this is very clearly one of those situations where there's a CEO that's so removed from the actual work that he does or the end product, I should say, and the impact that it has, that, yeah, he's just looking at spreadsheets and going, yeah, we didn't really do much. And it's, yeah, it's like, that's, fuck, that's what a crazy statement to make. Not only, it wasn't even like Baldur's Gate 3 was a thing that happened like a year ago. Like, they just swept the Game Awards like a month and a half ago. So, yeah, just, just obviously somebody who doesn't pay attention to the industry that they're a part yeah. of. And like, how many sales, how many concurrent users, breaking right? records? And, and, you know, because it doesn't push... Yeah, you're right, because it doesn't push numbers on spreadsheet. It's not a blip on their radar. It's crazy. Insane. That's insane. It is. It's like, I don't know. Maybe art, is, art isn't just about the sales numbers. <laughs> Here's a positive, though, that Dan shared. Uh, uh, so I've been seeing this pop up not just from Ryan McCaffrey, but I've been seeing rumors that this is, have been coming because of this and i'll just say what it is right now rock band fans this one's for you pdp has made new guitars for rock band that will all likely also work with fortnite festival soon and they're uh they even come with improvements like a rechargeable battery and folding neck so that is very cool for people who are wanting to get back into playing music rhythm games with peripherals uh, i'm one of those people uh, i've been looking i've been for eyeing for over a year doing clone hero on pc via one of those Wii guitars, Guitar Heroes. Uh, but if you're making they're a limited number, obviously. Be and because there's so few, prices kind of can skyrocket. But if there's more out there for people to buy, especially if there's a demand now with Fortnite Festival, then yeah, that's awesome that stuff like this is coming back in some capacity. Because Rock Band and Guitar Hero, it may be like a product of the past, but it's still like a really good product. And one that I think not, I'm not the only one that misses it on this podcast. I know for a damn fact. Dan, how do you know that for a fact? What do you mean? You talk about it all the time. You talk oh, about okay, how you miss yes. all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, yeah, this is awesome. And also maybe for people that are uh, possibly planning, you know, for a group of friends to come together mm -hmm, uh, and, mm -hmm. and only has one guitar and one drums and one microphone. I just need one more instrument for bass. Mm -hmm. Boom. Now there I can get go. it. Boom. I also think like it's a fair statement to say who isn't a fan of Guitar Hero in some level. Like I feel like Guitar Hero is one of those last games, or we can call it a genre of itself, because you had things like Rock Band that aren't actually the same but are the same. Like I feel like everybody on some level. Like I think back to when I was in high school where it's like even like if you had a bunch of if I had a bunch of guy friends over and they brought their girlfriends, like everybody kinda likes Guitar Hero in some casual way or some hardcore way. So I'm I'm all for this. Let's bring back the days of Guitar Hero. Let's unify under this. There are three things that are universally loved in the world of video games. Number one, the concept of Mario. Whatever shape that takes. Motherfuckers right. love Mario. Right. <laughs> Number two, seeing Grandma use the Wii. Okay, yep. Number three, Atari on Rockman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Number four, Roshan. 
I'm throwing oh, that in there. Whoa. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I reviewed pretty well last year. <laughs> Epic. <laughs> what, who are the reviewers? <laughs> myself. <laughs> <laughs> but let's get into our PXN News of the Week. We've got two items for you. Uh, one kind of you know, whatever, and one that's a bit lengthier. Fill with some good stuff. Some of the bad kind stuff, of whatever. I don't know, man. What do you want me to say? Uh, Suicide Squad reviews. There's a lot of discourse here because early access came out, and um, gosh, who's the publisher? Why am I forgetting who the publisher of this game is? Warner Brothers. No. Oh, Rocksteady. WB Games oh, well. refused to send codes to a lot of outlets. Uh, for whatever reason, some were speculating that it had to do with negative impressions from preview events. Um, others were saying, relax, it's because they want to wait until servers are actually up, uh, until they start sending codes out. I, I think the, the thing for, for this specific story is that IGN was not getting a code even after uh, servers are up, meaning that they just did not want to provide that outlet with a code, meaning that they were kind of you know, they did not want negative press on their game because they previewed the game negatively. Um, it did not help. <laughs> it did, yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's its own issue um, that we can talk about. But I also want to talk about that once early access went up, the game went down twice, I think, in the span, about 48 hours. The first time was uh, launch day, a couple of hours after, after launch. Uh, the game had to be pulled down because some users were being affected to the point where you would log in and it would say that you completed the game when in fact you had not actually completed the game yet. So that's, right. that's an issue. Uh, and then it went down for something else, I think, the next day, and I forget what it was. I, I think servers are back up, but but still, the, the issue is that WB is charging $100 mm -hmm. for early access for a game that is live service and that you can't play, which I think there is lies uh, the issue. Which Stop did. there for a moment. I did see they did give $20 vouchers to everyone who bought that edition to purchase skins in the game, but it's like, yeah. Who cares? Yeah. Who cares? It, it doesn't, I, yeah. I saw a video. You couldn't do anything in that game except use the store. So of course, the store stays up. Yeah. <laughs> right. So putting, oh yeah. We're and that tells me everything I need game. to know While about you that. wait, please buy some of our skins. What the hell? I'd be more insulted yeah. that they gave me that. I would rather nothing. <laughs> i did also see a bit of fan backlash because um what was expected from like a lot of the skins uh from buying the uh early access like whatever hundred dollar version you actually don't get all the skins that like were shown off or to some extent which which kind of sucks right. however all this aside uh, there are review what, what, what do you call those? Um, in progress. In, thank you. Thank you, Roshan. Reviews in progress. Uh, and then some reviews that have gone live today now. And it seems like consensus is either mixed reviews, mo some a bit more negative. VGC, however, I think has been the highest that I've seen so far. Right. Giving theirs a four to five. And it seems like it's really going to come down to the kind of person who uh, is playing this game. If you kind of enjoy the live service uh, gameplay loop of, of getting better gear and going on missions, like that stuff I, for us on the podcast was maybe the weakest side. But if you're into that, then even the weakest side is going to be a strong suit for you because everything else regarding the story and the graphics and presentation, uh, you know, 
based on what we said in the podcast, was actually pretty surprisingly good. So, so. For, uh, forgive me if I'm wrong on this, but I, I saw a few people on my timeline saying that the uh, the game is very short, so like nine or ten hours. And uh, I think a couple of people even said that like most of the game is like cutscenes. Like there's a ton of cutscenes in the game apparently, and uh, like that's this is gonna sound so fucking stupid but that actually gets me slightly interested because of like like you said christian that that was like my favorite part of playing the the beta was like hearing all the quips and jokes and uh watching the cutscenes. so this may be something that i get you know down the line when it's like ten dollars or something but (laughs) probably won't get it at launch i will say that on release day, or I guess early access day of this game, um, I had seen four different major story spoilers just yes. floating. And that's <laughs> so infuriating. It's getting worse with, with not only with video games, but with all media. I noticed that like whenever there's a big, like, luckily I don't care about them, but I, but for a while there, whenever a new Disney Marvel series would drop, like IGN specifically and like these major news outlets would be so bad about like they'd have a picture of like some dramatic event that happened in the episode and they'd be like let's talk about and then they explain exactly what happened in episode four and I'm looking at it and I'm like it's Monday morning and this aired 12 hours ago what are we doing so it's not only a video games issue but yeah I again not really looking forward to playing not looking to play this game I should say um, but I have also seen like quite a bit story spoilers, uh, for this as well. And I think it's important to like separate, like there's like, maybe this is the wrong terminology, but there's like objective criticism of this game, which is like, oh, this doesn't play well. Or, oh, the live cert, like this is a live service game and the service isn't live. Those are, and then there's like the, and then there's like the separate controversy of like people not liking story decisions or something like that. I don't think those should be weighted the same because some of them is, like I said, one is more subjective, like, I didn't like this personally, versus, hey, this thing, this product is not working correctly. Um, so, yeah, some of the controversy I don't think is really worth paying all that much attention to. I just want to point back to what we said uh, a few episodes ago when we were talking about how, um, you know, villains should be villains. Some of the things that I see people complaining about, I actually think is like, hey, that's that's kind of what that's I was talking about. This is kind of cool. Like, cool, good on you guys for making story risks, for taking story risks and making your villains be villains. So th- I definitely don't agree with half of the controversy <laughs> around this game. But like I said, the objective stuff, like, yeah, just, this th- I'm pressing A and nothing's happening. That's like an objective just, criticism. Just to have IGN uh, ruin it by having a picture of said spoiler and then putting right. a description. Like, what the fuck? Or people just uploading like the actual full cutscene and being yeah. like, oh man, I can't believe I just did this exactly. thing. And it's like, well, yeah, it's it, it came out like a day ago, but okay, cool. Yeah. And only for early access <laughs> at the right. time. Only. And that's the problem because the same thing happened for, oh God, what was the early access game that came out last year? Oh, it's Starfield. Or I had seen a lot of that game's like late game content oh. before the game had even publicly con- gone out, and I'm right, you know, right. I'm inundated with takes on spoiler casts of post game content when again the game had not even come out for the mass public. And so okay, so now we're incentivizing spending money, uh, even more money for a product when when the the proper thing itself isn't even out yet, and that thing is that's a little problematic for me. Right, and I I would like to shift this all to like us us as in consumers in across the entire industry to 
hold publishers like if you release Starfield what was it? It was it was because it was something significant. It was like what four days early, five days early, or something like that. If you did the like, oh, yeah, it was like a Friday, and the game yeah. itself I think came out like on a Wednesday. Right, right. So it wasn't just like a twenty-four hour, forty-eight hour thing. It was actually a decent amount of time. Um, we all need to stop spoiling shit. Is one, but the main thing I'm talking about is when a game is playable to any people, that is the release of the game. I'm sick of I'm sick of people saying, oh, it was it was in early access, we had some bugs. No, no, you've released the game. I don't care that it costs people, impatient people, more money to play it. You've now released it into the wild. This is the release of the game. So when Warner Brothers released Suicide Squad, released it, it was down with twice within 48 hours. Like, that's... We're using this early access thing as a shield, I think, and it only benefits publishers. Fortnite was in early access for about four years. No, it wasn't. That's exactly my point. No, it fucking wasn't. Those are. I think for me, that's two different definitions of early access. One is like working title, essentially, where like a game is in, you know, yeah, early access for so long because the game itself isn't actually finished. And then there's the Suicide Squad where it's like, here's right. access to the full release of the game a couple days early if you give what us more What changed money. from from early access release to full release? Like they didn't they're not continue like that's the thing, right? Like and you and you are right. Like there is there is a you know a, a small startup studio that's like, "Hey, we're going to release this game 2 years from now if you want to jump in now and help support the studio." But like we can clearly see that's not what's happening when these games yeah. like when Microsoft releases Starfield 4 days early. It's not a beta build and then, "Oh, surprise, we had 600 people working on it all all these 5 days. We changed a bunch of shit." Like, no, that's it's the yeah. game. It's the game. It's like Hades. We're still working on the narrative, but let's fine tune the right. know, combat. Yeah, right. give us your feedback. Uh, anyway, all this to say, Suicide Squad. I probably won't be buying it then, but I have already started watching one of those YouTube like cutscenes. Every cutscene, right. 4K. Right. Yeah, why not? Whatever. Oh, it's three hours. Sure. Let's 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 find out. I've already seen the major spoilers. Let's find out how 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 it gets there. Right. Okay. Our final news of the week item is uh, state of play. There was one today, uh, and we're going to go through through every. Uh, don't use that link. I actually am going to use uh, Wario 64s, which I so for whatever reason ended up closing just moments before this. Here we go. Hold on. I'll I'll I'll, I'll link everyone here. Do it. Hold oh, on. Yeah. How about how about Wario 64? He's the real G. Getting getting all the deals, you know. Oh yeah, there it is. Let's all you. I'll, I'll even tab it over. Click on that. We'll follow that. Uh, State of play was about forty minutes long today. Just just a bit over. I think I clocked it at like forty three or forty four. Uh, and we're gonna go through everything in order. Thank you again, Daniel. As Dan mentioned, to Water sixty four, hardworking man on Twitter, because we saw uh, some sneak peeks at a lot of things. The state of play <laughs> opened with a game that I've been looking forward to for quite some time. This is uh, Korean Studios, uh, Stellar Blade. Uh, and we finally got a release date. Uh, it looks like Stellar Blade Spring it will be in action. That game is releasing April 26, 2024. Uh, uh, Bro is another person excited. He hasn't said a lot on this podcast yet today, so I'm going to give him some time to, to rave about Stellar Blade. Yeah, I think it looks really fun, the action combat looks like my style of action combat that i like i think this was i'm glad that we got the dates and a lot of it i liked but i think this was like it was the longest showing and i think it was the the weakest for me personally 
uh, based on the past trailers and stuff, but I still think it's a game that I'm going to enjoy a lot, especially that she's the main character and that's great and all, but I'm glad that it's coming this, this uh, spring. And yeah, it just looks like a game that I enjoy. Like everything about it, the, the visuals, the monsters, the, the story looks weird, but also fun. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I think it's a game that I will spend a lot of time in. This is one that I've been looking forward to for a long time. Uh, back when I was at uh, Penultimate Conquest, I made a video called um, like most anticipated Asian you know, games from Asia. Because uh, I think there's a lot of places that are, are doing a lot of cool stuff from Asia. Uh, and Shift of Corporation is, is one. And I've been looking forward to Still Wait for quite some time. Because yeah, I, I think everything Ro talked about is, is my same sentiments. I won't, I won't regurgitate that. But I will say, man, every new showing of this, they just keep leaning more and more into like, hey, let's, uh, let's uh, exploit how horny we can be for this main character of Eve. And even more so with some of these outfits, man. There was like one where it was just like a bikini. I was like, all right, that's, that's crazy. That's insane. Uh, and then Gage calling me out on Twitter uh, over it. Right, like you won't be there day one. I will be there day one, but it's because, of, because I just enjoy... Uh, right, because art. of the art of it, the art. No, no, because I enjoy action games, you fuck. Action, <laughs> like, character action games like Nier Automata and shit are, are, are so specifically, like, one of my favorite genres. And, like, yeah, one that's another sci-fi setting. Insane graphics, made ground up for next gen. Like, that's just cool. Gorgeous. And the music. Absolutely gorgeous graphics, too. Is this Unreal 5? Who knows, man? Who knows? It looks incredible. I will say, what people are squeezing out of UE5 already is, is nutty. Yep. UE5 is the real deal. I somehow forgot to mention, I guess, news broke yesterday. This is a quick bite item I should have mentioned. Uh, that PlayStation is, is investing into um, an African studio. They're trying to get more, mm -hmm. more studios around the world. And so, one, uh, you know, have, have some actual cash to, to make some cool products. And so uh, there's a studio in Africa that's being funded uh, to make their first game. Um, that was cool. Sorry. Anyway, back to back to state of play. To answer your question, it uses Unreal Engine four. Wow! Mm. So they just mastered that bad boy and got it looking like this. Yep. Speaking of bad boys, we got to look at Shadow uh, in Sonic X Shadow Generations. It's been announced for fall twenty twenty four. Row once again. Back to you. You stoked for our boy? I'm stoked. I'm stoked for the shadow stuff. Um, I it's like it's been a while since we've seen him in a game, uh, especially as a main playable character like that. So I'm really excited for that. Um, I don't know. The Shadow the Hedgehog, the the video game, uh, was like kind of a mixed bag for the community. Like some people really like it, and probably because of the ideas and the bad guys and the, the aesthetic, the, the darker tone people really liked about it. But the game itself is like, it's kind of bad, <laughs> kind of mixed the actual moment to moment gameplay. So I think Sonic team kind of wanted to forget about that. But I, it's cool that they're leaning into it a little bit more in this game. Like uh, a lot of the bad guys from uh, that game that I mentioned is are returning like um, Black Doom, Bio Lizard, those are like some fan favorites. So it's cool to see them in this trailer um, and that we're going to be able to fight them. The thing that I'm worried about is that sometimes they delist de uh, a game that they're updating. So like Sonic Generations is available, was available now um, for a not super expensive price. 
Sonic Generations is considered one of the best Sonic games. It still plays good, still looks good. And it's kind of sad that I assume when this game comes out, that's going to be delisted and you can only play Sonic Generations through this bundle, which I'm sure is going to be full priced. Mm. And I'm just worried that I hope that the shadow stuff is going to justify that full price and whatever Sonic mm. Generations looks like, the, the remaster of it, whatever they do to that is is worth that price. Because again, like I said, Sonic Generations still plays good, still looks good. So I hope this bundle is worth that price because they have done this a lot of times where they just bundle it and get rid of the older version and then charge you a little bit more for not that much. But what I saw looks really cool. So have to see more, but that's my uh, my worry about it. And But Sonic Team is doing it, which they don't usually do. They outsource these remasters and stuff. So that's a, a good sign. Damn, bro came in with all the lore. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everyone forget about the uh, the layoffs we just have, have, had today. Look at Shadow. Look at Shadow. <laughs> Look at Shadow. And unfortunately, we all looked. <laughs> you know, uh, somebody did catch that you looked, Christian. Natalie says in the chat, Good answer. Christian knows I'm watching when we were talking about <laughs> Stellar Blade. And then, <laughs> for the art. For the art. For yeah. The art. And she said, I too will be seated for the sexy girl in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Hold on. Let the record show. Like, I, I, I'm not going to use that outfit, all right? <laughs> Let the record show. I, this I man's already on defense. I use default outfits, okay? Right, Except for right. Spider-Man 2. I used the, the red and black. That was cool. Uh, up next was uh, we got to look at uh, Hoyo versus live action game, not live action game. I'm sorry, what live service game? ZZZ Zenless Zone Zero, uh, now in development for PS5, so it is coming to consoles. Uh, bro, I think you and me were kind of interested in this. I had to go back to you. Yeah. Uh, no. I, are you still are you still interested in ZZZ? I'm still interested in it. I, I recently got back into another Hoyo verse game called Honkai Star Rail, and I'm enjoying it. Nope. So. Yeah, I'm excited for a more action-y version of their types of games. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to it. This wasn't re- this is like a, kind of the least that we've seen, honestly, from a Zenless Zone Zero trailer, but still looks good. Mm. Still good. Yeah. And next up, I, I, this is where I kind of tuned out a little bit. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, Foam Stars, this is that like, you know, Splatoon-like game from, I believe it was Square Enix. Um, and they're kind of, I think they're leaning into AI for this game as well. They're using AI, uh, some AI graphics in this, if I remember correctly, from a quick buy item a week or two weeks ago. Uh, but Foam Stars is coming uh, to PS4 and PS5 on February 6th as part of PS Plus. So you will be able to try that game out for free if you are a PS Plus subscriber. So maybe I jump in just to try it out, just to, I don't know, be a part of discussion. But if I do, I'm not sure if I'll stick around for a long time. swag okay yeah uh, it yeah <laughs> i don't think i have much to add either remember the indie game dave the diver small game right. uh it's coming to playstation this april with a collaboration with none other than uh godzilla uh and that's coming in may of 2024 so if you're interested in playing dave the diver on console wait is it wasn't all available on xbox as well uh, I'm not sure. I think so. I think so. I'm not sure. I guess when I PC. saw it on uh, on the Microsoft Game Store somewhere when it was blowing up, but let's find out. Let's find out. Mm, on Switch and Windows, it looks like Switch and yeah. Oh, interesting. 
And I reckon it will come to all consoles eventually. Right. Next up was V Rising. That's coming 2024 to PS5. And again, this is where I tuned out. I, I, I'm unfamiliar with Stunlock Studios. I don't know if anyone else on this podcast is. Um, I'm not familiar with the games. I've not played V Rising. It's been on my Steam wishlist for a long time because it is a... Um, it's like a Diablo-inspired kind of action RPG, but also... Um, it's a survival sandbox, like build up your base brick by brick type thing game as well. So I've had it on my wish list for a while. I, it, it's, it's got really good reviews on Steam. People really like it. It's a kind of original mashup of two different things that normally people don't mash up an isometric action RPG. And then you've got your survival stuff. So I'll be paying attention to it. I might be picking this up, but yeah. Apparently uh, they're most known for their Battle Right series, which has decent, pretty good reviews on uh, Open Critic, eighty-five percent. Uh, so, pretty cool little indie studio. Unlock Studios. That's a good. Uh, that's a good studio name too. That's good. I like that. Sure. Yeah. We had the Silent Hill Witching Hour for a couple of minutes. Up first was a new look at a. a new entry into the silent hill franchise this is silent hill the short message the full game that is free to play right now i reckon it's a shorter experience experience i'm sorry and i think this one is actually using uh ue5 um i'm fairly certain it's using ue5 i could be wrong though uh this i think this plays almost like the the new age of resident evil games so it, it is a first person experience um i don't know how closely it's tied to like more of the like psych silent hill you know psychological trauma of like two and four like that that's like the prime of silent hill um i guess we'll see if it's you know good or bad in the next coming days uh, according to twitter uh, and then we also got to look at uh up the upcoming uh, bloober remake silent hill 2 um which i think for me did not look very appealing i think that the the for whatever reason the trailer was was cut to make it look like more of an uh, an action game which i think is is kind of the opposite of the experience that you get when you're playing the original silent hill 2 so that was a bit of a bummer for me i, I i'm not I just, I, i'm the more time passes the less faith i have in bluebird team but i mean we'll see how, how it shapes out right i don't i don't have a super i don't have a connection to the original silent hill 2 my issue with the trailer is not that it was cut to be action. I kind of expected that they'd do that. My problem is that this looks like the type of remaster where they quite literally just... Like, I was looking at the animations and the way the character was moving, and it looked extremely stiff and extremely similar to the original game to the point where it almost looks like they they just took the original game and up and put different textures on it like the way he was moving around and aiming over the shoulder and the melee combat when we talk about another game that we will talk about later today possibly that's a remake of a very beloved uh survival horror game this this is not it this does not look like it for me they were too faithful to the original <laughs> they were too faithful oh, no sorry Give me one second here. Okay, pull on, pull on the uh, the thread back up. Uh, what is your studio name? Here we go. Ghost Story Studios, Ken Levine's studio, coming in with a brand new look at Judas, 
looks to be a, a lot like the games we're familiar with Kevin Levine, Ken Levine's old studio, which why am I blanking on, on their name? But of course, Irrational. Bioshock. Irrational, thank you. Uh, of course, Bioshock and Bioshock Infinite. Uh, Daniel, I think you're probably the one that's most excited for Judas. So I'll pass the mic on over to you. Hell yeah. Yeah, and like we were talking about in our private chat and we've talked about on here before, uh, obviously this game is fucking on the backs of a ton of developers that were laid off at the end of Bioshock Infinite's development, and that's very unfortunate and obviously should be pointed out because uh, without that happening, uh, this game wouldn't exist, I guess. I don't know why uh, it had to result in that. I don't, I don't, we were talking a little bit earlier. I think Christian, you said why, or yeah, I think you said this. Why, why did they have to lay off all those people just to make basically what looks like Bioshock? And that's a very fair point. Like, uh, but that's, that's why I'm very excited for this game because it looks very inspired by Bioshock and, uh, definitely seems to have like that visual style of Bioshock um, and Ken Levine's stories I very much enjoy uh, the first Bioshock Bioshock Infinite very much enjoyed both of those stories mm. so yeah I'm, I'm, I'm very amped uh, to see more from this game and uh, see when it's coming out right for whatever reason the thread from Mario 64 stops there I'm assuming that takes us up to like the 30 minute mark of the state of play. And the next thing is the closer, correct? Uh, no, I think we got a quick look at Dragon's Dogma before we had... Oh, uh, Dragon's Dogma 2 was in there. Yes. I have the rest of it, I think. Once there I we go. No, here, here we go. Okay. The next thing was Metro Awakening. Dan, you're right. right. Polygon Poly yeah, Metro Awakening. This is a brand new Metro title. Probably not one of the mainline titles. I reckon, as Dan mentioned, that they are going to, to do something for PC and consoles. That is the, more the traditional. Uh, but there's a VR game coming. All of us are assuming not primarily to PSVR 2. However, the marketing and release for the... Or not release. Uh, the announcement was, was marketed with PSVR 2. So we at least know it's coming to PlayStation right. Virtual Reality. Uh, looks great this is a great cool. combination of of uh i don't know if it's platform or genre what you would call vr but a great combination of ip and that whatever that is is this is one of those this is one of those uh uh settings and stories that is going to be absolutely terrifying in vr this is such a great great idea yeah. and uh, yeah if i had to imagine uh, similar to what dan was saying earlier this is probably i can imagine this being one of those games where this will lead into the next mainline game where it's like you can just jump in and say like two two three years from now when the next mainline game comes out you can just play that and not be lost or like you could be somebody who's played this and it kind of like has characters and stuff that blend into mm -hmm. that if i had to guess but uh man sign me the fuck up for this 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 looks awesome yeah the atmosphere alone of metro is absolutely incredible and that, that's what makes me love metro last light specifically but uh yes the feeling that like you're in that environment in vr that's going to be really cool uh and the developer on this vertigo games they apparently their last game they made was arizona sunshine 2 uh which did okay so the first, the first Arizona Sunshine was really well regarded because um, it was one of the earlier VR shooters when VR was really coming up. But yeah, I mean, when I think about all the things you have to do in in the Metro game, like 
and you're playing it by controller, if you're do- having to do all that stuff manually, like swap out your air filters on your gas, like wipe, mm. you have to wipe the gas mask, right? If you, yeah. if you if you get stuff on it, you have to change out your air filters and like. I believe in the Metro games, they use bullets as currency. So like, it'd yes. be cool if they really lean into that, where it's like, you have to unload your magazine you take out all your bullets. If you want to trade for something like a lot of that small stuff that you can gamify and make fun. That's when VR is at its best. And I think that the, the Metro is going to lend itself to, to that in a really good way. I'm very excited for this. For whatever reason, Polygon uh, skipped another VR game. They showed two VR games at the state of play. The next was Legendary Tales. This is an action RPG for PSVR. It's a dungeon-crawling adventure where you and a group of friends can travel together into the dungeon and defeat monsters, collect loot, and explore the mysteries of the corrupted land. I I think the biggest thing uh, for me was seeing how gorgeous Metro Awakening looks for PSVR 2 and then just getting like the whiplash of like, okay, if this is more of like a, I guess, a triple A experience compared to whatever Legendary Tales is. So that initially was a bit of a shock. But from what I've learned over the years from VR experiences, is like it really does not matter what your games games end up looking like. It's the mechanics yes. um, that are like the biggest things. Like if you nail mechanics, then you have the feel of interactivity within that world. And this looks like they're pretty much like nailing. I saw there's like a, a scene where you're sharpening your blade like physically with an object and that right. that kind of stuff is is cool and the more stuff you can interact with and move around and, and touch and whatever frankly for me is the better the virtual reality experience ends up being so this could this end it could end up being uh, one of those good ones i missed that this was co-op this is uh, you saying this now is kind of is me realizing that so like i think about a game like this where it's like it could totally be a dud but i'm also like man like could, like imagine the three of us like playing this instead of playing like uh the golf game right where it's like we, we jump in for this and we do a couple dungeon runs and like that sounds that sounds cool on paper you know what i mean like i'm I'm curious to see what the reviews say and it was pretty cool it seems like they had some sort of like uh spells and super abilities where there was one clip where somebody was doing like a very elden ring where he was kind of like coding his sword in some sort of magic and then he did an attack with it that all sounds cool on paper i'm you know i'm curious to see what this looks like sure. i would be willing to try this with the boys for sure there was like a scene where he uh deflected a, a i think a fireball that was coming at him i was like when the, yeah. i was like christian like when i first started watching the trailer, i was like oh this looks kind of janky and then as it went on i was like okay why did i think this looks kind of fun this looks yeah <laughs> yeah good time and that's the thing with melee combat in VR games, because Blade and Sorcery is a really popular game that is is so fun. They never look good in a trailer compared to how they feel. Like, if a game looks good in a trailer, it feels even better. If a game looks okay in a trailer, like, it'll still always feel better when you're playing it. Melee combat is really hard to kind of... Because you have to think about, like, whenever you see, like, a demo of a con- of a traditional game, how there's always the joke where it's, like, people are kind of looking around slowly and doing all this stuff, and it's, like, that's not how people actually play the game. Like, you have to take that, I think, into account when it comes to melee VR games when they're doing a trailer. They're not going to be whipping their head around and doing these crazy slashes as they would because they're trying to show the game off, which I think can inadvertently make it look more janky. So this is one of those ones where, like, I'll wait to see reviews, but... Yeah. It definitely is a promising concept, I think. That makes you think about Pavlov, which, like, yes, that game is, like, an FPS VR game. There's a lot of those. But, the like, the crux of that game is, is that it has realistic gun physics and reloading mechanics. And it is so... Every time I play that game, it's so cool to, like, shoot a, a bolt-action sniper. Right. And, and then have to, like, look out of the scope to tilt it around 
and pull the bolt back and grab another bullet and then put it in and bolt it back and then look in again and hopefully be around the same area that I was like, how do you make that exciting in a trailer? You, it's hard to do that. But again, it's, it's that interactivity that, that that's makes the game so good. Anyway, let's move on. Uh, Dragon's Dogma 2. Not much to say, I think, here. The game is coming out soon, and, like, the, you know, rollout of trailers are, are happening everywhere you look. Uh, and it is, it is fast approaching, March 22nd. Mm, am I going to get a 90 on Fantasy Critic for this? I think I might, dude. I think I you freaking could. might. Everybody's you getting could, them. Everybody's getting 90s now. If this game comes out and gets a 70, I, I'm leaving the podcast. I'm, 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 I'm done. <laughs> swear yes. to God. I can't. I have so much riding on this game, personally, and just for this game, and for the Fantasy League. This is this new. incredible. This is new Capcom. They're not going to do 70. It's going to do... This is new Capcom, good. man. Yeah. What are the odds that this next game, Rise of the Ronin, performs better on Metacritic? That also comes out the same day, March 22nd. We got a new look. A Team Ninjas game. Gage made a joke. Ghost of Tsushima 2 coming out. What if that does better on Metacritic? What do you do then? Hell yeah. Rise of the Ronin is not doing better than Dragon's Dog. Yeah, it is. Zero percent chance. Does anybody have Rise of the Ronin? I guess we'll talk about that upcoming soon. Okay, well, there you go. (laughs) We then got a look at the rumored, now confirmed, until dawn remaster from supermassive games and of course we know the reason why this is getting a remaster is that sony is reportedly working on well confirmed as well they're working on a movie version of the game so how do you get excitement how do you get more sales out of a game well you remaster it and boom there you go now people are, are going to be buying the game based on the movie or the other you know what i you know what i mean right this was this was like maybe the least exciting this was less exciting to me than like Foam stars. I'm not even interested in foam stars. Agreed. Nah, fuck you guys on whatever. <laughs> no, agreed. No, we're also not interested in it. So yeah. there's nothing to say. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I will try not to get too deep into the weeds. Um, the last thing uh, that was here at today's state of play was a nice, uh, was a long, lengthy, tenuous look at death stranding 2 on the beach the official title has been confirmed the subtitle is on the beach and there's i mean 10 minutes uh what what do we want to talk about i mean higgs is back and he's using a, a guitar to uh stun and electrify whatever uh there's a like animated puppet that sam hangs on his belt that is animated on twos so he's like at half animations which just looks cool compared to 60 fps uh sam also leah sadu of course is back we got to look at um oh who's the sister the uh, l fanning is in the game and george fucking miller george miller opened the trailer that is him next to leah sadu visionary director george fucking miller is 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 in a hideo kojima game uh insanity uh gage mentioned that like this game is ridiculous to which the my answer was yes but that's also why it's good i love Mm -hmm. the uh it like christian said like it's or like gage said it's ridiculous and and like christian said that's what makes it good like it's just the vibes are just so so cool i just love everything uh how like the, the the hand masks that fragile was wearing 
I was like, how has no one thought of this before? This is so freaking cool. And when she took it off to, to light her cigarette and the, 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 the gloves snapped their fingers to create enough friction, I guess, to light her cigarette. And that's the coolest thing I've ever seen in my freaking, freaking life there. Man. It was just cool. Cool. Dan, I'm going to, sorry, if you're going to say something, hold on. <laughs> I'm going to use your joke comment because there's truth to it, but I'm going to use it to springboard into something, I guess, more profound, quote unquote. Hold, give me a second. It's going to be, it's going to be funny at first. Dan made a joke on Twitter, our DMs, he calling it Walking Simulator 2024, <laughs> which is a funny joke. However, in conjunction with what Ro just said, Death Stranding 1 largely is part of the vibes, capital T and V, the vibes. We're like, yes, the game is, has to do a lot of walking, and maybe some of the story is like a little bit ridiculous, but it's still like relying on that connectivity and that like meditative quality that you have when you're transporting from A to B, no matter how long that journey is. There's a, there's a moment in Death Stranding 1 where you're like doing the longest mission from like the opening segment, and you finally like come over the hill. And you finally get to see Port Not City, which is a place people have been talking about for a couple of missions beforehand. And on your way down, the camera zooms out and it plays one of those, you know, low, low roar songs. And it's like, okay, let's just have you enjoy the view as you walk down for the remainder of the song. And as you get closer, it like slowly pans back in. And for a minute, it was literally just about the vibes. And the game is filled with like many of those moments. Judging off these trailers, it is insane what they're doing with the Decima engine where like Sam is like walking through the desert. There's a flood that like destroys a bridge that you've built. The moon is huge. I don't know. But if they can bring back that quality of like meditation, like I'm I'm all in. I'm already sold. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just kind of just going to repeat what Christian said. Go ahead. No, repeat it. I was, I was just going to say that the scale of the environments looks huge and I just it's like insane what they're what they're doing with it and I was going to comment that in the in the chat that like how is this possible but then I was like it it looks that good DS1 when they released the trailer the first time that was something that we said as well when we were looking at the trailer so they're just continuing upping uh what they can do with the technology I guess so that's that was something that really impressed me as well Okay so I have a question do you think before I make my comment do you think that someone who didn't play the first game could play this and understand what's happening or no? Dan, somebody who plays the first game is not going to understand what's happening in the first game. <laughs> it's it's really not that complicated. They're, they're like the concepts are heady and okay. they throw a lot of them at you really fast. By the time you finish it's like you understand what's going on. It's it's like not that complicated. Okay. It's just it's a lot. It is a lot and it's also like you know, you have to get over the fact that it's like this this character's name is Die Hard Man, <laughs> you know, because he dies like once every couple of minutes. Oh, interesting. So the, imagine that, but every character has something like that, and then those those are all important to the story. And if the, if these two people are in the same room, then it creates a supernova that destroys the world. So then they, <laughs> I don't know. That's true. Mm. A lot of extinction. If I could, if I could talk about what is impressive, is what you guys mentioned. All the visuals in terms of fidelity, like what Kojima has been able to do in so little time with the Decima engine, is really truly impressive. Um, the scale of the environments was the big thing. Where there's two shots where he's walking on the sand dunes, and then there's another shot where he's in like this sort of dry, almost like a salt lake kind of like cracked desert 
and those two shots it seemed like it was going on forever there wasn't there wasn't the usual sort of like big mountain that's like you know 150 units forward that is clearly the end of the range like it was just seemed like it was he was truly in the middle of like nowhere that stuff was super impressive and that's where i'll finish uh, <laughs> to, cir- <laughs> to circle back to my comment real quick i put in the chat that was purely a joke walking simulator just trying to trigger christian because he's always trying to trigger me with halo but it worked. actually watching this, I was getting somewhat interested in wanting to play this. That's why I asked the question first. And Because Death Stranding 1 is good. Well, I mean... Yeah. So the reason why I, I get the impression from this trailer that they're expanding on the gameplay quite a bit from the first game. Maybe I'm just mistaking that or, or misconceiving that, but like there are a lot of moments in this trailer where they were like they walk him into like this fucking room full of guns. And I'm like, so are we going to get like expanded combat scenarios in this game? Cause I know the For first me- game has some, but like, it's not like a, it's not like, but the problem with that, Dan, from what I played at the first game is that yeah. a lot of the, the combat and the, like this trailer to me looked pretty similar to the first one. It's just the first game. That stuff happens like a few, like, many hours into the game right like i wasn't getting assault rifles and trucks and stuff until like well, 10, and 10 11 12 hours into the game so if you yeah. didn't make it that far in the first one it doesn't seem like that's a part of it but from what i remember like there a lot of the combat was in the first one it was just it was a bit farther into the game yeah and to be clear i don't mean like i want to fucking go play a fucking fps or or third person shooter in this i just i just meant like the there were pieces in the trailer that i felt like there was more going on than like they're lending to us like maybe they're not showing their full stack of cards yet like with the gameplay so like that would be exciting for me more more so than just another death stranding one experience Time will tell, but I, I I worry if if your interest is 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 on the combat side, I would err on the side of, of like maybe there's a, a bit more stuff to like the combat mechanics, but I wouldn't expect it to be as like revolutionized from the first one because like the first one like that's not the the point of the game isn't isn't right. the combat and that's why it's kind of just like it's there like, kind of like service level engagement where it, it, it's there but like you're you're meant to kind of try to avoid it as much as possible. Gotcha. Maybe you have a cool, some new, cool new arsenal of stuff to engage when you are engaging, but it might not, you know, much of the game will probably be like with transporting and not the actual fighting. Uh, last thing uh, announced from Hideo Kojima was that he's working on a new action espionage game. Working title right now is Fizzent, which I would assume is some kind of combination of physical interaction or f- physical interactivity of some kind. Uh, it will transcend the barrier between games and movie, Kojima said. Sorry, I'll just pull up the tweet from Kojima Studios themselves that, that Ro uh, shared. One second here. I'm sorry. What the fuck is this day before business? <laughs> the documentary? What's going on? Here we go, Kojima. Fizzent, working title, will be the third new original IP since the establishment of Kojima Productions. It's a completely new action espionage. Sorry, it is a completely new action espionage for the next generation it will be created using cutting-edge technology and the best talents from around the world both from film and video games of course this is interactive this is an interactive game 
but the look, story, theme, cast, acting, fashion, sound, etc. are all at the next level of digital entertainment that could be called a movie. Uh, of course, it's just Kojima speak for, for detailing that, you know, his games are, are quote-unquote unique, and they're not presented in the traditional way that a lot of AAA games are, where there, there are longer cutscenes, or there's things in there that are like not traditional gamified stuff and i'd say so far as like remedy has been has been leaning into more of those kinds of qualities especially with like alan wake 2 where what we define as a game has been a little bit different and we're kind of like toying with what the immortality of course like that is a game and the way you interact with that is very gamey but like can we call this a traditional video game the answer is probably no uh of course the the biggest contention with our group chat was he announced this without without showing anything, and and I thought about this for a little bit after the fact because we we do criticize this um, pretty often as like we don't want to announce we don't want announcements of stuff too early, especially when you don't have things to show. Um, however, there's two things that I want to bring up. One is that with the recent Xbox was it last year when Kojima unveiled that he's like actually announced that he has. An, uh, an original IP that is for Xbox utilizing the cloud. We did get a bit of a teaser. We don't know what the game actually looks like, but Xbox got to flex that Kojima is working on a primarily Xbox title using their technology. No matter how far along that was, I think it was a huge flex for them to come out and be like, Kojima is working on a game for Xbox. That's huge for them. I think the, the conversely, why this is announced so soon for Sony, too, is that it's Hideo Kojima. When we think about him, we think about the likes of Metal Gear Solid, like that he built his legacy from Metal Gear Solid. He's calling this game, Fizzent, the culmination of 40 years of working in the industry. Coming out and being like, Kojima is working on a new espionage action game for PlayStation. Again, that is like the same level of like, He's working on this thing for us, which again is just them trying to flex. And I think largely that is exciting because a lot of the industry is so stagnant with a lot of their AAA ideas. When we have games like Suicide Squad coming out that are like mostly not really inspired by anything and are kind of live servicey stuff. I don't know. Having Kojima come out and be like, we're doing an action game and it's going to be fucking cool is like, hell yeah, sure. But the problem is, is not that he just came out and didn't show anything. It's that he explicitly said that they're not even working on it yet. They will. This is a game that he will start after, after Death, Death Stranding 2. Yeah. So this, yeah. we're, it's not even in pre-pro. This is an idea he's thought of and he just wanted to tell you about it. We still haven't seen anything from the Xbox thing. We still haven't seen anything from the different movie slash game that he announced at the Game Awards, which he took like 16 minutes with Jordan Peele to talk about. This no, that guy, is like, the that is the Xbox thing, right? That is that's that. Yeah, was that's that the, the Xbox thing? Yeah. Oh, okay, it was the horror thing. Okay. Yeah, that was the teaser. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, but still, I, yeah. I agree. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I think Hideo Kojima, like you're saying, like some of some some of these announcements are a big flex, and I hear you, but they're only a flex to some people, and I think. I think I'm wary of like excluding the mass audiences from like this. I don't know. Like to the average gamer, does it matter that George Miller opened the 
the, the Death Stranding 2 thing? Not really. Like, that's cool to me. I'm a film guy. That's cool. But, like, is that a selling point? To some people, for sure. But to most, I don't think so. And when I hear... I don't know. When I want to get excited about the future of gaming, the idea of, like, we're going to make it more like a movie. It's like, I don't know. Is, is that is that pushing games forward? Or is that just kind of blending these two genres? I'm not trying to be a hater. I love Hideo Kojima. I love what he's done. But it's, I don't know. I, I think there's a chance that maybe he's, his, I don't know. I don't know what I'm getting at. See, I feel like there's, yeah. I feel like there's uh, exceptions to this, this thing that we're upset about, not really upset about, but that we're discussing. Right, right. Um, but yeah, like I think Hideo Kojima is, is one of those exceptions. Like, like Christian was saying that it's a flex for Xbox to come out on stage and announce this thing with him, and it is. And it will remain a flex until they actually do something with it. But if another studio did that, we'd be like, why, why are you announcing this? This is way too soon. We need to see more. But with Hideo Kojima, there's just so much history. And stuff like that does mean a lot to people when they, they see it. Because they kind of know what to expect And with, with Hideo Kojima. And I, I, I do agree with what Gage is saying. With like, is he really pushing the industry forward? Like, Death Stranding was awesome. I loved it. It was really cool. But I... I I don't know. It was just different. It was different enough for everybody to enjoy, but I don't know what it what it really did for for games. I could be Christian could come and tell me what it did. I didn't finish right. it, but it it was really cool. It was really cool. But I don't. But what did it do <laughs> for games? It's really no, cool game. But what did it do game. for games? No, Rashan, that that's actually a really good point because like because that's how different... he's advertising these things, and and we're supposed to be excited for them, and we are excited for them because it's Hideo right. Kojima, but it is just a flex, and how. Like I, I get what Gage can and I get what, what Christian's saying, but it's like at a certain point, it's like it is just a flex until the game comes out. And when the game comes out, is it really as amazing as he said it was? And I think Death Stranding was cool, but was it as amazing as he said it was when he was announcing it all those all those years? And right. I don't think it was as amazing as he said it was. I enjoyed it, but I don't think it was like this big thing. Bro, the flex is that it ex- the what it did that for it games exists? is that it exists. <laughs> That's Even not enough. It, no, that is enough. The fact it is definitely enough. When you have games that are struggling to even get completed, to have a game that is primarily shipping packages from across the country by walking, it is a flex that that game even exists and got funded to be made because it's being made by someone who is like recognized as auteur. Yeah. It's the thing, same thing happening with like the movie industry. Like mid budget movies do not get made, mid budget games do not get made. But they would if Hideo Kojima. But they do. Power World was Power World. <laughs> Has Power World not sold more copies than Death Stranding one at this point? That's what I'm saying. So, if there's more context to then it's just Hideo Kojima. It's me, like that's not enough anymore. And like just because something is different and unique, enough. does it does it automatically default to revolutionary? I don't think that's the case anymore. Let me let me jump in real quick because I think this adds to what both of you guys are saying. I think this is my root problem is he shows off a new game or talks about a new game or whatever, and then we see it literally every single year. So like at a certain point in my eyes, anyways, you see it so much that you're normalizing what you're seeing. So when Rose saying, was it that impressive or was it that, you know, great? Well, probably not because you've seen it 17 times since it fucking finally came out. I don't so, think I, I I sold that. It was great, but I yeah. don't think it like pushed. Right. I don't know. I don't know what I'm trying to say. Anymore, was but, Death Stranding yeah. as as impactful to the industry as the first Last of Us? I don't think. I don't think so. 
Okay, hold on. In terms of if storytelling we're... and acting, like if he's that's the thing, right? Like Kojima talks about like, oh, we're gonna make we're gonna make movies like games. Like when I think about that, it's like, well, that's kind of like what The Last of Us did like ten years ago, right? Like that was a a game that had this cinematic cinema like quality to it, but they did it. They managed to do it all within the game engine. So I I don't know. Is that not the same metric that you're saying right now? Like impact? Is that not the same metric as like we're, we criticize like Tencent for? Like with their like spreadsheet mentality. Like if we're thinking of games as like, oh, did it impact X thing? Well, it's like okay, did we not worry about the art first? But the, no, no. But when I say impact, I'm not talking about sales. I'm talking about how these were video game characters in engine that were written and acted as if they had the care and thought put in them into. Like I'm, I'm only talking about when I talk about impact of the Last of Us part. When I'm talking about the art side of things specifically, where it's like these these video game characters aren't talking like video game characters. These are talking like real people. Like that's what I mean when I say that that game had mm. impact is that it pushed it forward in terms of like how you write and how you empathize with video game characters. Like before that, you think of like even Nathan Drake, which is a, which is a great character. He's got that old school kind of quippy style that wasn't really out of place. But then you play like, I'm thinking like it's May, 2013, you boot up the last of us and you're like, what the fuck am I playing right now? Like, that to me, that is like a game that pushed that aspect of gaming forward in terms of like writing and acting and mocap. It came out in June. That's it fine. In June. Okay, so that's <laughs> fine. Anyway, we got to move on for the sake of time. Uh, good, good discussion though. I'd say the the it ended with like, hey, one more thing. There is a uh, state of play coming out next week, specifically for Final Fantasy VII Rebirth. Uh, that's February 6th. I remember it because I, I, I DM'd Kevin Diaz about it. Uh, and I know Roshan is, is super jazzed about FF7 R2. Very jazzed. Very jazzed. Excited to see what they have to show up. Okay. Before we get into our topic of the show, we do have to make a quick check-in into our fantasy draft because there are a lot of updates that happened over... I guess since the last week. I, I missed last week, so I think some of the items that are written down there are from last week. If I yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so we but covered... there is new stuff. Let's see if there's any league history from, from this past week. Don't think there was. Oh, there was. There were a couple of pickups that happened over the weekend. All from Roe. Three pickups mm -hmm. from Roe. He acquired Penny's Big Breakaway with a bit of $5. Pacific Drive with a bit of $10. Epic pick. And Visions of Mana with a bid of $5. I think those are some pretty good picks from Rome. I'm not going to lie to you. Solid. <laughs> uh, reviews, however. Was there any reviews from the past week? I don't think there was. There's Persona 3. Person. Yeah. Uh, reload, but the score hasn't been fine. Oh, there it is. Yeah, sorry. It wasn't a 90. Now it's an 89 on Open Critic, so it went down by one point. So Roshan would be uh, getting a net of 19 points for his pick of P3 Reload. I don't like this. I don't like how competitive this is this year. This... Hell yeah. As we noted, PXN, sorry, Fantasy Draft this year for PXN, the winner gets a custom controller and the loser has to eat 10 hot wings on camera. <laughs> Epic. Epic. All right, Daniel, what you got for me? Halo, new season. Halo, new season, that's it. So, boom. Easy enough. No, you don't want to talk about it? 
No, that's and it. You- that's it. We're we're already running long, and I talk about Halo all the time. We we killed Roe last week with how much we talked about Halo. That's true. Oh. He did die and had to be resuscitated. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Roshan? Uh, I'm playing Yakuza Zero. I'm actually sticking hey. with it this time. Uh, it's a series that I really wanted to get into with everybody playing Infinite Wealth this week. I've been feeling a lot of FOMO and wishing I had started the series sooner. So with me not playing a lot of new games, I thought, why not play some old games? And I'm playing Yakuza Zero, and I'm really enjoying it, as expected. It's my definitely my shit, having a good time with it. There's, I sent you guys a screenshot of a side mission that I was doing today of the dominatrix saying that you you middle-aged man and it was like a side mission <laughs> where uh she's like a shy dominatrix and you as kiryu are trying to teach her to be more dominatrixy and teaching her how to be stern and it's like it's a really funny side mission and there's a bunch of them like it in the game so when you're not beating up other side yakuza yeah. and doing silly stuff in the city and it's really fun i'm enjoying it what uh there's... you said it's an older game what what console are you playing it on and what console do you know like what generation it were originally released Ooh. on i think it's like it's a remake it's a remake of like a ps2 ps2 okay. okay i i don't know i i don't know when this remake came out i would i want to say it's ps3 generation this you're this playing it on the ps5 I'm, I'm playing it on pc actually i'm playing okay. it on with xbox game pass on pc they have like all the yakuza games on there so i thought i'll just try it that way shout out to xbox game pass hey yeah. Shit. This is not a paid advertisement. <laughs> Unless they want to. Is zero not yet, Phil? Yeah. Is zero I... the one that opens in like the back streets of like Shibuya or whatever? And you're like, and you're like beat up. You have to go yes. beat up someone. That's um. You have to like go get money and beat yeah. up someone. Yeah. In the beginning. It's like yeah. I I don't remember what. You're like a loan is... shark. Kiri's like a loan yeah. shark. Yeah. Yeah. Or he's working for one or something. Yeah. Okay. I shouldn't remember. Yeah. yeah, yeah, cool game. It is. I'm like I've been playing a lot of Pal World. Uh, half of it has been for work. I'm not gonna lie to you because I'm I'm like getting into survival games because uh, I have to for 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 some coverage stuff this year. But I'm not complaining. Like Pal, Gage and I talked privately after uh, I think you guys were were hanging out, and he kind of told me what you guys were talking about, which I think I agreed with with Dan. You what you and Gage were saying is that. Power World feels like a scam game. And I think that's mostly true. There's so much jank in this game. It's like, this kind of sucks sometimes where it's like, damn, I've, I've, the server kind of like freaked out. Now I'm inside the geometry of this mountain and reloading into the server doesn't get me out. I have to climb out or use a, a pal to like squeeze out somehow. And it's like, this is unfortunate. Like it's being held together from like, by like duct tape almost. And then I don't know. There's just like some silliness to it that like pulls me back in where like I capture a new pal and one of the like you can use it as a submachine gun or I'm like using one as a flamethrower that also helps me cook a bit faster. And I'm like building up my base and just giggling. It's like, okay, suddenly like the scam game stuff is like gone a little bit. I'm not going to go so far as to call the game good, but I'm having like a good time, which I Mm. think is the key difference. I think it's like me spending time with with my friends just like goofing around in our base and like fighting bosses that's the good time not the game itself that's good so really it's about like you know the bros right if I think... i'm also oh go ahead if if, if if everyone else on this planet 
had as fucking dedicated of an attitude as you guys have about power world there would be a lot more better shit going on in this world like you know if all the scientists worked as hard as you guys work in power world like <laughs> we see ever... the group messages yeah <laughs> of you guys coordinating your power world efforts yeah and that's not me that's that's harley and garrett doing all the work incredible that's true i just show up and reap the fruits right <laughs> i'm like level 20 they're like 30 something it's hard that's crazy uh, I'm also playing Prince of Persia, The Lost Crown. I'm a couple hours into that. I'm one of the few people that actually bought that game because uh, I like my Trudevanias. Daniel also bought it? I also oh. bought it, but I haven't played it yet. Uh, yeah, funny I enough, it. I bought it because I got it. Fuck, this is a long story. Forget it. I'll tell you guys after. <laughs> okay. I was telling Gage that I like, wasn't enjoying it because there's a lot of jank in like the opening where like, cutscene start and i'm still kind of seeing my character just standing there like from where i was before and then like kind of like jerks and like now i'm back in the cutscene and right a lot of like combat didn't feel as tight as you think it would and then you start getting more abilities and you kind of get into the flow and it, it gradually starts becoming a better game but i'm still early early super early to not have like definitive like thoughts it, it's it's cool so far I'm not loving it as much as everyone else is, but it, it is very cool to be playing a Prince of Persia that's just like, you know, or just any kind of Prince of Persia game that's like combat-focused, Metroidvania, sure, that, that that stuff is cool. So, yeah, cool game. Gage? Um, I play a little bit of Power World with Dan, and uh, it's certainly, yeah, it, it's a game. It's definitely a game. I think. <laughs> I think when we were talking about it, I don't know if I misspoke or if you misremembered, but I think Dan and I, our our initial reaction was like, yeah, this looks looks like a scam game. But we our our I think our final takeaway was that there's enough here that it's that it definitely is its own game. It just sucks that I think they could have avoided like the smart thing that they did was com was the combining the two genres and genre bending. It's it's like. I think they deserve credit for that because I mean you still have to commit to making the game and developing over X amount of years. So it it sounds simple, like oh add peanut butter and add and add chocolate. Oh there you go, it's a good idea. But like it, they deserve credit for wanting to build to to bend these two genres together. And 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 clearly it's got a rewarding gameplay loop that a lot of people, including people we know, really really like. My problem with it is that if they had decided to do all this and commit to like their own art style. They could have avoided a lot of the controversy that they got. Like they did rip off Pokemon designs. Like there's no way around that. They did steal. Like I don't know. Steal might be dramatic, but they did take assets that they did not really work hard. Like if they decide, if they release this, this exact game with the exact same gameplay loop, exact same mechanics, but say it was like a gothic sort of art style. Well, then suddenly now it's a completely original thing that you can own. And so they could, yeah. Needless to say, they yeah. could have saved themselves some trouble. It, it's hard to root for it because of that, because it is so clearly just trying to emulate something that already exists. But we played it. I don't know if I had fun playing the game or if I had fun playing with Dan and Glenn and, and dicking around and yelling at each other and sparring over resources and <laughs> X, Y, Z. So that's kind of where I fall in it, which is very similar to what you said, Christian. So it's definitely an interesting game to the people that are loving it. You know, do your thing, have fun. Um because it's an independent studio, I can't help but root for them and their success, so good for them. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, Halo Infinite and some Alan Wake 2. And that's pretty much it. 
always lock your lockboxes in Power World and put codes. Yeah, on. because somebody might come by and steal all your shit and then throw <laughs> it into their lock into their lockbox. It's a, it's a group effort. Like every, everything you build. <laughs> that's what it's yeah, correct. That's what it's supposed to be. But if you're a Midwesterner who only knows capitalism and was raised on that, then you just steal everything to Midwest? yourself and you leave I'm, you leave your the, friends to starve. It's the East Coast. I'm not that's a true. Midwestern. That's true. That's true. Daniel received a small loan of a million dollars. Yep. I wish. Please. The, I'll, I'll just say that the the making making the pal worlds uh, the pals work for uh, automation that came really really quick to Dan. He was really quick to pick up on all that stuff. That's all I'll say. That's that's an awesome joke. That's a good one. Jesus. That made me smile. <laughs> okay. Finally, it's time after so long. Game of the year. 2023 after a whole year of gaming and thinking about games the pxn crew as uh, same thing as last year we put together a, a a this time a more official form for us to vote on our best games of the year uh some of the some of us played more games than others however does not matter whatever games you played vote for them we did do also a weighted ranking this year. So, of course, a game that you were voting for first place gets more points than the last place game. I did do a top 10 in the form, but that's just for numbers. That way we have, like, statistics after the fact. For the purposes of this podcast, we'll only be doing the top five. I've already gathered the statistics. I put them together into a Google Sheet. I sorted it, and then I scrolled down so that I don't know what we voted for and then i don't know what the like top anything beyond top seven or 15 i i I can't see so i'm not scrolling up until the very end i want to go us go through one by one like round robin our number five picks then our number fours or threes twos and ones if you don't have any please feel free to pass uh, otherwise, I'm, if, I'm going to do the order from what you got for me. Okay. Well, hold on. Before uh, you start, if, I want to say something real quick. Shout out to Christian for making this form and doing this list. Yes. I don't care how little or how long it took you. Very <laughs> cool that you did it. These points don't mean anything, but I'm very much. Uh, there's something about having a weighted <laughs> list and all these scores together. I like it. Right? It's, it just tickles silly. a little part of my brain. It's yeah. awesome. It's cool that you did this. Shout out to Christian. For doing oh, this, yeah. this is very cool. Yes, thank you. The, the How do I get I my list back? I I close the window after I submitted it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have it open for you if okay, you need so it. I won't know. I don't. I can't remember what I. Did. I don't either. <laughs> oh, I don't. I did not play a lot of games this year. I remember so the. I, kinda, top I know what my number three. one is exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I know my top. The three. cool thing about doing this is that I get a a breakdown summary, so I can see question by question what like the percentages is. So like a nut like for question number ten. Uh, on all four members, I'm the only one that answered number 10. Because Spider-Man 2 is the only one that got one vote. And that was from me. Spider-Man 2 got... But we'll have more statistics toward the end. So, if we're going to do what you got for me order, which is Dan, Bro, me, then Gage, then Dan would go first. And Dan needs me to tell him what his number five pick was. And that was... Dead Space Remake. There you go. Okay. Yeah. Uh, my God, I can't believe a remake made this. <laughs> but, uh, sorry. 
I, I didn't play a lot of games this year, and that was one of my favorite games. Of course, it was very much the original Dead Space, just fucking beautified. So that right. there's not really much else to say about that game, but it was fantastic remake by uh, who was it? M M <laughs> Studio. Fuck. Isn't it Visceral? No, Motive. Motive. Sorry. Motive. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, motive. Great job by Motive. Yes. Right. Roshan, you would have been next. But we're gonna be- come back to you for our top three. Okay. Just giving you for a little while. I apologize. We still love you. <laughs> Natalie loves you. Oh, I'll get off the phone. Oh, sorry, I'll get off the Discord call and I'll call her. We'll be all back on the phone and she'll she, like she's your like your number one supporter. It's not me. It, it's it's you. <laughs> Just letting you know. <laughs> Thank you, and I'm sorry. Based. <laughs> Natalie is based. Yeah, oh my god. My number five pick was Super Mario Bros. Wonder. This is a game I played over the holidays while I was back home just casually like after work or whatever and consistently one of the most fun level to level games that i've played it's it's cool seeing nintendo flex all their muscles even from like games that like i prefer the 3d mario games and somehow i left mario wonder within you know hours being like damn this is one of the most like creative games from them in a long time even being a 3d fan they're 2d games continue to innovate it's very cool i i I wish maybe there was a bit more creativity and difficulty towards the end but for what it is it was like no this was this was a genuinely a great experience from start to finish a lot of fun Mario wonder thumbs up still needs to play it god damn it okay do you need me to tell (laughs) you what your number five was yes i do diablo Mm. 4 diablo 4 yes i did pick that and you know what (laughs) It's important to mention that there's like somebody and Rishan will probably get this with Destiny because it's the same genre, but it's like you have somebody that maybe plays through the campaign of Destiny and is like, oh, cool. This is like I played through this as if it was a campaign. And then you maybe play a couple play with your friends for a little bit and then you leave it like you're not playing it as a live service game. So the asterisk here is that I am not playing Diablo as like a hardcore Diablo in and out. I got to log in once a day. I very much played this as, like, this is going to be my first Diablo experience from start to finish. I played through the campaign. I did a little bit of grinding and some of the extra sort of their events and world events and stuff like that after that. And I thoroughly enjoyed my time. So I can't speak to it. I know that Diablo community is not happy, and there's probably a lot of warranted criticism. I can't speak to that. Um, I had a lot of fun playing Diablo. Um, and, uh, yeah, I... It, it was a very polished experience from what I played. It was it was fun. I got into towards the end of the game because of the respecking options. I was able to actually like change my build around and and uh, very very fun game. I enjoyed it quite a bit. And also shout out to what Dan said about uh, Dead Space. I think you're right. Like it's like oh it's just a remake. It's just a remaster. It doesn't really matter. But like for a horror game that relies so heavily on atmosphere, having graphics like that does i think enhance the experience a lot and sound and sound exactly so i think just just to give some time to dan's number five pick (laughs) dead space is a great pick and uh and yeah remakes and remasters definitely help some genres more than others so i think dead space was a a good number five pick awesome daniel your number four pick yes i i I remember i remember the rest of my list so thank you Roshaninators. 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 That's what. The, that's the name she came up with for your fans. <laughs> that's, my, 
Those are, that's my army. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I love it. I love it. Uh, yes. Number four pick. Resident Evil 4 remake. Another remake on the list. And this one is the one I'm passionate about. I fucking love the original Resident Evil 4. And I know I differ from you on this, Christian, but I think the remake was far and away better than the original game. And I fucking love that video game. That That is my favorite Resident Evil remake that they've made thus far. Resident Evil 2 was previously my favorite. This one took the cake and... It's probably because I have so much investment in the original Resident Evil 4, and I love that story, that world, that story, the characters, everything. Right. So, yeah, I love that game. Really good. Really good. I was talking about to uh, Peter, our, our video lead at DualShockers, about RE4 versus RE2 remake. Just, just just remake discussion. And I think it's the same thing that we talked about on the podcast, which is like, really what it comes down to with like which remake is your favorite is like, what kind of genre and games do you prefer out of re if you lean more towards the action side then of course it doesn't get better than than re4 because like that is like the pinnacle of you know re4 action horror but for me who someone prefers like the more like methodical kind of metroidvania kind of then for me then duh that's re2 remake right for sure but yeah re4 remake good game i agree row again we're skipping you but we'll see you in the next round. Daniel, I'm with you. I did something a little bit taboo this year. Something I normally wouldn't have done. But I figured, you know what? This game is so good, even today. Still stands toe-to-toe with the likes of many games today. And a lot of critics played this for the first time this year and included it on their list that I decided, you know what? I will also put this on my list. And it's my number four pick. The Metroid Prime Remastered. Wow. Now, what are the changes? There's, there's not a lot. The biggest one is probably the controls because the original controls for like the GameCube, it's like one of the, like the first FPS games. It's very difficult. I tried it for a while and it didn't really work. I, it, it turns out I kind of needed the modernized controls to, to even finish the remastered version. Uh, I'm not going to rant about this game. Metroid Prime Remastered is, is, is so good that I, you finish that game, it's like, yeah, they still are not making games like this. It is still one of the best games ever made. Cool game. Mm-hmm. Gage? You're going to have to tell me what number four was. Okay. <laughs> uh, your number four then was Lethal Company. Let's go. Do I have to even say anything? Like, single single developer making a small little game that blows up because... The core gameplay and the vibes are just there. They're there, and they're not going anywhere. Um, yeah, I mean, we've all, all everybody here has played it. We've all played it together, and it is a game that I think, in contrast to our Power World discussion, it, the game is both fun and also you have a lot of fun with your friends while you're playing it. So, uh, Lethal Company to me deserves a shout out. Um, yeah, fantastic game, fantastic times. I can't even. I'm trying to think in my mind, like, oh, give an example of a fun time, and it's just all the every single time I've played the every game. Round almost. Every round, yeah. every round. You ever need your yeah. speakers blown out? Just put me on the microphone during that game. Right, right. A shout out to Dan pretending that he was possessed one time and killing our entire squad. <laughs> to which, to which Christian and I genuinely thought that that was a type of monster in the game, and were confused for a good. good uh, we minute. killed Dan thinking he was possessed. <laughs> that was right. Awesome. That was awesome, well, because man. I because I witnessed him kill two of our teammates, <laughs> and I barely escaped with my life. 
and you were doing this little you were doing this little like I I honestly I give kudos to you. It's so stupid. I hate it. But you're doing this little like kind of side to side walk. You weren't quite walking in a straight line. You were purposely trying to act like an AI, and it worked. And it, he looked like it. It looked like he, it. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. I it turns out the, the scariest monster was, of course, Daniel. Yeah. <laughs> the mod community is doing good work, and if you check the, uh, the Discord that I have for Lethal Company, I, I did a whole thread of Lethal Company mods for the next time that we play. Some of them are quality of life improvements, so that um, walkies and flashlights get their own dedicated slot, so that way we have room for four extra slots when we're actually I out like in the that. facility. Some I nice like little that. stuff. Cool. Daniel, your number three pick. My number three pick. I'm throwing an audible right here, Christian. You're gonna look at me and be like, "What the fuck? That's not what your list says." I'm I'm throwing an audible. That's gonna be a okay. Well, fuck it, okay. Christian. We're doing it live because I fucking changed my <laughs> mind. Scores. I changed my mind in the middle of the show here, and my number three pick is the Legend of Zelda: Tears of the Kingdom. That game is fantastic revolutionary game any other year that would be probably my game of the year running away with it of course breath of the wild was my game of the year that year absolutely loved every bit of it I, i've not finished the game yet but i will eventually finish it it's just going to take a while uh but I'm over, I'm almost 60 hours in, so it's not like I have zero experience. I love the building of all the vehicles. That's so cool. And I've said a million times before, it's very inspired in my mind to uh, Banjo-Kazooie Nuts and Bolts, which you build all your vehicles. So cool. Love that mechanic in that game. And every just every time you drop into that world, it just feels so good to just you know roam around and find another shrine another uh, korok seed another village it's just every nook and cranny in that world is fun to explore so there it is sorry i'm assuming you're swapping the two and three yes. slots yes okay that works out i i didn't have to do much changes and i already updated the stats i apologize no you're fine yeah, I didn't get to pay attention to what you said about Choose the Kingdom. I'm sad. Oh. He said it was good. <laughs> I said it was he really said, good. He said it was good. No. That's awesome. <laughs> Roshan, finally. I'm in. Let's hear it. I don't remember where my number three is, even though I only picked three. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. <laughs> oh, you had a number four pick, too. Your four pick was Lethal Company. Hmm. Oh, okay. That's good. You don't have to count that. It's fine. I was, trying, I was trying to get I was trying to get up to get up to at least five, but I, I couldn't. Like <laughs> your your third pick though was Battlebit Remastered. Ah yes. Oh. Hey. Battlebit Remastered. Another game that I didn't play that much of, but I did play that year. So I put it on the list and I liked it a lot. <laughs> um yeah, it was it was a fun time playing with you guys. I again like I only I only played it once, but if I had played it more with you guys, I assume we would I would enjoy it more and more as, as time went on. It I the problem with it is because it, for me was that I couldn't play with controllers. So I, I kind of sucked mm. when I played with you guys, oh, but I right. think the idea of it and the proximity chat, it, it felt fun when I was playing with you guys, even though I was dying all the time, like people were screaming and like, it was just a cool, um, not community, but like, a, I don't know, environment. No, it is kind of like a communal experience. I guess for sure. so. Yeah. It was, it yeah. just felt like I was, I don't know. I felt like I was in war. No, it wasn't that deep, but it, it was, it was fun. I had a good time with it and I, and I hope that studio continues to, um, to, it's an early access still, right? I think it's not 
full release. They might have done a full launch recently, I think. I think they did a it's now free to play instead of paid, I think. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. Well, good luck to them. I hope I hope they continue to to see success with that because it was it was a good time. So like that's it's it's funny that you mentioned that where it's like oh you know i was having fun even though i was dying a lot because it's like when you die in that game there's a there's like a 40 percent chance that somebody's gonna run over and start dragging your body and be like don't worry brother i got you and then you're just like okay well normally i'd be sitting here waiting just to respawn mashing x but because of this game and what they've decided to do with it every little thing is just like a a memeable moment Yeah. yeah That's was... exactly what I was going to bring up, Gage. The that like the first time we played it, and we're playing on that bridge and that on that map yep. where like all hell's breaking loose, and you hear all the voices. And I go like someone goes down, yeah, someone runs over. You're getting dragged. You're looking at a face. Hold on, brother, <laughs> and you're like getting res. And it's like this is this is awesome. You right. Know? The technology's here for for cool shit like this, and yeah, it's a good pick. This game was made by three people. That's insane. That's insane. And. Correct me if I'm wrong, because it has been a while since I played it. I mean, I played it maybe a couple of times after we all played it together. But like, I don't remember experiencing a lot of like desync issues or a lot of like lag or anything like that. So like, to be made by three people, to have, if I remember correctly, 256 players in a match, that's kind of crazy. And and to your point, Christian, when we were all bunched up on the bridge, it's like that's normally when most games would crack under pressure. But there, you know, you got 80 people piled up behind these little rocks trying to take cover from a from a tank, and we're all screaming together. Like the game did not skip a beat. So shout out to those three people who made this game because that's incredible stuff. My number three pick. I won't gush on this very long, uh, just because I, I talked about it a lot during during the course of the year. My my number three pick is Armored Core uh, Six: Fires of Rubicon. Uh, I I think it's really cool that From Software took an old series of theirs and took everything they learned from recent Souls games and kind of injected that DNA into an Armored Core game without losing any of the identity of past armored core games and it sold well and it works is even more important and in a year we're like let's for like when i described 2023 early on i was like let's let this year be the year of fun and you get things like battle bit remastered and lethal company uh, so high on our list and for me armored course six was like yeah this is really cool to be playing a game that's like nothing but mech action from start to finish and i'm locked the fuck in and every mission is just like just really cool or i'm listening to cool sci-fi music and getting cool little presentations and i'm studying what parts is going to make my my mech work a bit more for like the next little mission bit and you just lock in and you get better and better like like most souls games as, as gage is now learning with like elden ring like you you kind of lean into that and you kind of grow as a as a player as you progress uh, and it was really cool, and it was not a long experience. You, you can do the stuff they did with like New Game Plus was fucking cool, uh, but you didn't have to do that. Uh, and I don't know, just Armor Core Six was like a game that came so far to left field for me that I didn't think would be as as beloved as it ended up being for me. And uh, yeah, uh, again, cool game. Gage, what is my number two pick? Dead Space. Oh, no, number three. Oh, we're on number three? Okay, sorry. Dead Space Remake. Dead Space Remake, for all the reasons I mentioned wow. when, uh, when, when Dan picked it. Incredible atmosphere, incredible audio. That's a, that was a good... I was going to forget that, but that is true. Um, hearing the... Hearing the, the... What are they called? Necro... Necromorphs. Necromorphs. 
crawling around in the vents coming after you when you enter and exit a room and and uh it's it's interesting because they don't really do a lot of jump scares in that game but they psych you out and make you think that something's coming when it's not and and vice versa and yeah incredible atmosphere incredible vibes and and and, and that the vibes were awful and you wanted to get out immediately so um shout out to motive because they did a hell of a job um and they and they respected the hell out of that original game when they did this is a just a great remake through and through Daniel, your number two. My number two, which caused all the controversy of me switching with Legend of Zelda, is Alan Wake 2. This video game is just fantastic. Oh. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're going to all break out in the song now, since there's four of us here to, you know. Do it right. Do it right, yeah. Uh, no, this game is absolutely incredible. The storytelling, the atmosphere, uh, just the fact that this game uh, exists is a miracle because the first game I don't think sold particularly well, uh, and it's kind of a cult hit. Um, but this game takes it to a whole nother level. Uh, it goes full deep into the survival horror genre, uh and very much does it successfully in my opinion and uh yes i know i was very muted on it the first few hours of the game but after those first few hours of the game the game just fucking flew by i think i talked about it i played like 10 hours straight or something crazy to beat the game like the last 10 hours and it was just it flew by it was an amazing amazing experience and there's literally nothing like sam lake's mind he just fucking comes up with the craziest shit but it, it works uh so yeah love it bro i'm gonna have to leapfrog you for a second get a little high five from dan because my number two pick is also alan wake too let's um, go i i wrote the dumbest paragraph that i put onto a graphic and then downloaded a png of like stars and then made five stars in a row and then uploaded that graphic to twitter because I was so impressed with Remedy for even creating Alan Wake 2 that like, I had to like put it somewhere to exist online in perpetuity. It, I think my biggest takeaway from Alan Wake 2 is that, much like what Dan said, is that it, it's a miracle it exists. Not just because of what he said about like Alan Wake 1 being the like, not-so-great seller. Like, there, there was a video that came out like, after the release of AW2. Uh, sorry, after, the, after it won... Like, now stuff at at the game awards where like sam lake did a video at remedy being like hey we can't make alan wake 2 right now because the game didn't sell well and it'd be cool if we could make a sequel but realistically we just can't right now and here we are like years later where he finally gets to do that but like in a world where remedy has learned so much of what they are so successful at now over the years and bringing everything they've learned into a kind of surreal game like Alan Wake, but turning it into survival horror works so well. And I think the thing for me is that it's so exciting about Alan Wake too, is that it's not just survival horror from start to finish. The thing that people online talk about is like, what the fuck is this, you know, music dance <laughs> from Alan Wake? I thought this was a horror game. And it's like, Incredible. it is a horror game, but it's also a lot of other things. And I think the biggest, again, the biggest takeaway for me is that it's not a, it's not a miracle is made because of, again, because of the selling, but because games like this just don't get made. 
It's, and it's the same conversation I have with like about movies or like mid-budget movie movies don't get made anymore because they don't sell. And, you know, Scorsese has that comment about like, you know, if audiences are, are being fed the same thing over and over again, they're only going to want the same thing over and over again. And here we are in a games industry where like, wouldn't it be cool if we just had like a stranger game with like a movie in the middle of a game where you can watch a mo- like a short film and then continue playing the game? Wouldn't it be cool if that was in it? And it is. And it's like, this is cool that this exists in the AAA world. Um, and also the game is good. So, Alan Wake 2. Good game. Alright, bro, I'm sorry. Please, you're number two. Okay. Um, I believe my number two is Hi-Fi Rush. Oh, you want, to, want me to confirm? Yes, please. I'm pretty sure because I there's only one that could be my number one. Yes. I'm going to make sure because I can I surprise myself sometimes. Okay, so Hi-Fi Rush was fantastic. I freaking love that game so much. I, I when you mentioned uh, that you made a a, a a graphic on Twitter for Armored Core, I was like, I remember I wrote something about Hi-Fi Rush too when I finished beating it, so I would remember how I felt about it. And um, my my first thing is my favorite games of all time have slow parts and moments I don't enjoy playing. Nothing's perfect, but Hi-Fi Rush is generally a blast to play from start start to finish. I enjoyed pretty much literally everything about that game. Even the walking parts were fun because it's literally synced up to the beat. Just everything that you're doing to this game has style. The action is fun. The music is fantastic, obviously. It, it, it better be because that's like the whole point of it. But it was such a fun game, and I'm so glad that, like you were saying with Alan Wake, I'm so glad that it was allowed to exist, and it came out. Tango Works was able to, to make it because it felt so fresh to play. Uh, the animation was amazing. Like They had these amazing transitions from 2D to 3D uh, with the cutscenes and gameplay. Um, the performances were so good. I, I, it's, the, the dialogue was really, and we had a discussion about this. I remember like the dialogue was cheesy, but I liked it. But at the same time, we talked about like how Marvel does something similar, but I don't like that. It was a weird it was it was fun, but it was a weird time. <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I, the performances were super great. Like there were lines that weren't even funny that I laughed at. Like there's a there's a character named Mimosa when there's a, a, a boss battle and uh, Chai comes out in like in a shark suit and she thinks that she's he's part of her act. And her line is like, wait for your cue, shark. And it's just how she <laughs> says it that made me laugh. It was it's just such a great game. From start to finish, I had a fun time with it. And yeah, it was awesome. I'm glad I'm sad that it didn't get as much love when it came around Game Awards time, but I'm glad that we remember remembered it at least uh for that time. I liked Half Rush too. It was awesome. I'm glad it was made. Yeah. Gage, do you need to do your last two? Are you running? Oh low shit! On you do have to leave. Yeah. Uh, we'll try. We'll try and squeeze it. We'll try and squeeze it. What's my number two? <laughs> <laughs> Another shooter, a trio of people, a unique shooter, the unique. finals. Oh, it's the finals! The finals! Of course, it's the finals. The finals is incredible. Incredible game design, and really only see, only focusing on that. There's not a lot of. Uh, I think I described it when we first played it as like a no frills competitive shooter because that's what it feels like. They've just went in on its core gameplay mechanics. They doubled down on it and and it shows when it plays because you're totally immersed in the combat and in the experience to a point where it's like it's one of those games where I, I think of some shooters that I play with, say like Daniel and Glenn, who are the 
who are the the usual suspects when I'm playing games online is that you have some games that you're playing and maybe you're talking about movies, you're talking about something else, and then you have some games where you're maybe like trying to focus. But I find that the finals, you play it, and whether you mean to or not, you are just hooked into it, and you're immediately communicating and you're trying to work together as a team in a way that feels so intuitive and natural that I kind of am impressed by it quite a bit. So. The finals, man, ex-Battlefield devs, when they don't have the uh, corporate overlords hanging over their heads, wouldn't you know it? They know what the fuck they're doing, and they know how to make a really engaging game. Isn't that, isn't that a crazy lesson that maybe all of industry, all of the gaming industry needs to learn? Anyways, the finals is fucking incredible, and if you haven't played it yet, and you like competitive first-person shooters, give it a try. I would like Gage to do his number one pick, just in case he has to leave suddenly. Okay. Uh, my number one pick... And Daniel, the reason I was shaking my head earlier is I was crazy. I was surprised it was so high on your list or so low on your list, I guess. My number one pick is Resident Evil 4 Remake. That is the most incredible game that I played in 2023. Similar to Daniel, uh, I played this game way back in the day on the uh, on the original uh, GameCube. I had plenty of great experiences with it to play it. I mean... It almost some of some of the surprise, uh, not surprise, but I I think some of the um, anticipation might have gotten sucked out of the of the room a little bit playing Resident Evil Two Remake and being like, okay, wow, I I don't really have that many worries about Resident Evil Four at all, but still playing it, getting the controller finally in my hands and going through these set pieces that I remember, wow, what an incredible game. Um, the good. Like even there's no there's no real bad in that game, but like even like what Rusham is saying, where some th- some things are cheesy, but you just love it because it's just what it is. Like Leon doing his fucking backflip away from the two chainsaws, <laughs> even though he can just step or duck or do any million. Just it's just a great. Feels like I'm playing an '80s action movie. Is what super that game campy. feels like. Super campy, but man, does that game just commit? And when it's when it wants to be horror. It's absolutely terrifying. Like there's the uh, those abominations that you fight towards the end of the game inside the research facility. Holy shit, are those things terrifying? Having to manage like which areas of the facility are powered at one time, and then you have to go into the dark spaces to it. Just incredible from start to finish. That game was absolutely a ride. Where is everybody? Remember the re- bingo? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, fuck. Remember how Leon? good the regenerator scene was in RE4 Remake? Mm. Mm. That was awesome. Daniel, what is your number one pick? Number one, as you could maybe tell at this point, is none other than Hi-Fi Rush. What? Boom. Game of the year. <laughs> Ro, you, you nailed it spot on with all of your uh, comments, but like... The fact that that game exists once again, as we were just talking about with Alan Wake 2, the, the fact that Tango was able to just go to work on it with a small team to build this game was really cool and completely unexpected. And uh, just like the entire purpose and like foundation of this game is the rhythm of the world, which is super cool. And everything just reacts to that. The gameplay reacts to that. The world reacts to that. The characters react to that. That's just really like a unique idea. That's what gets me excited about seeing uh, new IPs from the industry is stuff like this that is super unique that we've never seen before. So, yeah, I really loved Hi-Fi Rush and, yeah, all those characters. Chai, mm, all good, good stuff. 
my number one pick is the same as Rose, so I will let the Nintendo aficionado speak my thoughts. Okay. <laughs> my number one pick is The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Um, yeah, it was it was so good. It was so fantastic. I still am waiting to talk spoilers with you guys when Dan finishes it, because I really still want to talk about it, even though it's like a year and some change. Well, less than that, but still. Um, yeah, such a great game. Uh, the music, I can't the get music. over. I can't get over the music, dude. Like there were so many emotional moments that just were heightened because of the incredible soundtrack, where they were able to, you know, mesh the old or the 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 classic with the new stuff and just hit so well. Um, I'm a big story guy, and I really enjoyed the story in this game. Um, I, and and the gameplay was fantastic too, as as Dan was saying with with his pick. I forget where he ranked it. I think three, um, but yeah, everything that they did was so innovative. With uh, I guess not. It's like, <laughs> what was the game that you compared to? Uh, uh, Banjo Kazooie Nuts yeah. and Bolts. Yeah, they they did a little bit more. I feel like, but yeah. uh, yeah, it was it was really cool on a development uh side where I, I remember the 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 timeline was really impressed with what they were able to do, uh, with that game. So, yeah. yeah. I don't know what else I could possibly say that hasn't been said online or by myself in earlier podcasts, but it was it was incredible. And yeah, I'm glad that I got to play it out of out of so little. Like, I'm glad I got to play that. I'm going to say one thing about Zelda before we close out and get and, and I, I can give you the statistics. Um, a while ago, maybe like I guess almost two years ago at this point, I made a video essay called um, like how solar punk will change the future where I talked about climate change and video games. And in the beginning, I talked, in the end, I talked about, like, wouldn't it be cool if more games had some hopeful messages for us? Because if we want to see some true change in the world, then we need art that reflects that change. And within the opening hours of Tears of the Kingdom, you run into an area um, that is, like, the essential hub of the world down in Hyrule. And you get the tower mechanic and you wonder how they're going to do the tower mechanic again because that was already done in Breath of the Wild. And there's a sequence that is so moving and so rooted in like hope and environmental restoration and humanitarian restoration that when the first time you get shot out of that tower and you're looking at Hyrule below and you're mapping out the world, I couldn't help but shed a tear. And that defined my entire experience with Tears of the Kingdom. Like They nailed it. Finally, a game that is built on the foundation of hope. And that is, that's in, in, like embedded throughout the entirety of the narrative around that game. And the places that that narrative goes is so cool uh, and so like far beyond what I expected. I can't wait for like Daniel to eventually beat it and see a lot of the, what secrets that game has to hold because it's genuinely so impressive for a Zelda story. It's so good. Yeah. So we have a top 15 that I will run through very quickly. And give you points. And of course, I'll, I'll be more dramatic for like the top five. Uh, with two points coming in at number 15, God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. I think that was me. <laughs> <laughs> I was the only one, maybe. Uh, coming in at number 14 with three points, Spider-Man 2. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Thank you, Insomniac. Number 13 with five points, Starfield. Wow. I think a couple people voted for that. Yeah. Number 12 with six points, Super Mario Bros. Wonder. Number 11 with seven points, 
Metroid Prime Remastered. Number 11. Sorry, number... Oh, sorry. Here we go. Finally, the top 10. With 8 points, probably thanks to me and me only, Armored Core 6, <laughs> Fires of Rubicon. So we made the cut. Thank you. And shout out to you, Miyazaki. Number 9, with 10 points, Diablo 4. Ooh. <laughs> number eight with 12 points the finals making our top 10 wow incredible number seven with 14 points dead space remake hell yeah just outside the top five at number six with 15 points battle bit remastered damn shout out to roshan for getting that one so high let's go our top five lads are you ready i'm nervous let's go go. at number five with 19 points we have tango rushes hi-fi works sorry hi-fi rush (laughs) number five number five hi-fi rush well deserved well deserved well deserved well deserved well-deserved. At number four, with 21 points, he's a writer. It's Alan Wake Wow. Too. Dang. That's that's literally just from you two, I think. Yeah, I think I, so. It might be. Yeah. 21 points? Can't be. Is that how that works? Anyways. Maybe. Number three, 21 points. This is a tie, I'm realizing. Oh. This is a tie. This is a tie. You'll with never four. guess. I won't say it. I'll say it. What is Take it? Just to leave. <laughs> Resident Evil Three. Sorry, Four remake. It's tied with. Alan... No, that was the tie. Alan Wake Two and RE Four remake. Oh, are tied. oh okay. I wow. see. I see. Okay. Both okay. survival or mm-hmm. let's go. So technically, it's one, two, three, three, five. But right. Number two in the year of fun with twenty-four points. Let's go. Lethal Company. Let's go. (laughs) Well deserved. Well deserved. Very well deserved. And of course, number one with 28 points, a resounding win. Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Hell yeah. Congrats. Incredible. Incredible. All right, lads. I am out. GG's great year for gaming. GG's game. Bye bye. Bye bye. My game is freaking out. Or my, my form is freaking out. Uh, here's an interesting one. Uh, number three. Our, our number three picks were split four ways equally. One vote for Battlebit, one for Dead Space, one for Alan Wake 2, one for Armored Core. The same thing happened with our number two votes. With Legend of Zelda, The Finals, Alan Wake, and Hi-Fi Rush. All of those split, so we all had different choices there. Our number nine pick, one person voted for Spider-Man and one person voted for God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Wait, that can't be true. Wait, didn't I put Spider-Man on mine? I thought I did. So there you go. That was you. You voted for Spider-Man at number nine. Okay. And I voted for God of War Ragnarok Valhalla. Anyway, we've gone on long enough. We can do more fun stats some other time. But until then... Congratulations to all the winners at this year's PXN Game of the Year 
2023. And thank you again to everyone joining us live on YouTube and Twitch, as well as podcast services everywhere, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your pods. Thank you, Roshan. Thank you, Gage. Good luck at work. That's uh, Thank you, me. And that's Daniel. This has been Podcast PXN, and we are out. Much love and keep on gaming. Bye-bye.